You may be seated. We speak Jesus, amen? We speak Jesus because we know that in Jesus there is life, there is freedom, there is power in the name of Jesus. And as we think about what that means for our lives, there is, you know, this aspect of celebrating and worshiping, and then there's also these moments where God says, okay, are you really speaking Jesus? Like, do you really do that? Not just when you're at church, if you're online or in person, but like in life. We're in this series called Showing Up. We're talking about how do we show up? How do we, how do we show up as a people that, is, that, that we're speaking Jesus and maybe not some of the things that, if we're honest, come out of our mouths in moments that cause hurt and harm, that don't honor Jesus, that don't honor those that he loves or those around us. You know, in my role, there's times where, like, almost every week where you go through the message before you're up here. And this is one of those weeks, right? I had some health challenges and some things, and, and I'll, I'll blame it on that, but the truth was, I just got salty this week. If you don't know what that means in this generation, to be salty means, you know, what in previous generations would say you were edgy, you had a chip on your shoulder, you know, you're a little salty, you tracking with me? And so there were moments this week where, you know, unfortunately, my family probably got it more than anyone. You ever, you know, something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, can I get that one back? Can, can I catch that and, and bring it back? And it was one of those weeks where, you know, I bit my tongue enough, but not enough for them. Where I was a little bit salty at times. You know, I, I was thinking about this idea and just like, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody could start a business like catching all of our words and, and like bringing them back, like, I, I know it's not possible, but wouldn't that be amazing? Like, what would happen if we could just catch them and bring them back? And, and, and yet, if we're honest, we know that our words and the words of others, they don't always speak Jesus. That, in fact, as we look at this today, we're talking about what does it mean to be seasoned, not salty? We live in a world that is very salty right now and can cause us to get salty in ways that aren't the salt and light Jesus talked about. It, it's the way that shows up that's hurtful and harmful and maybe a little bitter and resentful. And as we think about what it means to be a people that are speaking the words of life in Jesus and what it means to be seasoned, I mean, if you've ever been to a fine restaurant or a restaurant that just had a really good chef, you know, you know that it's insulting to that chef if the moment your food arrives, you grab the sauce, the salt and pepper, and you start doing your thing. There's a whole brand out there, the sauce is the boss. I'm pretty sure every decent chef hates that idea because they seasoned it and prepared it in a way that they want you to enjoy it. And of course, you've probably had a dish that was too salty, that, that in fact was too much. And so there's a difference between something that's salty and seasoned properly. You and I as believers are meant to be seasoned properly. As a people that, that are showing up in the world and representing Jesus' love. I came across uh, some research that Barna did recently and I wanna show you this, this graph. It depicts how most, these are people that were asked the question, you know, do you feel like Christians show up uh, with a love for others? 
How are they showing up? And keep in mind that the world, when they're asked these questions, they're not just looking at our speech or our works. They're looking at both, right? They're looking at our words and our deeds. And in that bottom left corner, 51% of people said that the attitudes and actions of believers didn't seem to represent Jesus's love for others very well. That's a huge chunk of people. We might look at our world and go, yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense right now with everything going on, everything I can see on social media, everything I see in the news. Here's what's interesting. This graph is 10 years old. This is from 2013. I'm just here to tell you, I think the results would be worse today, which is why you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, need to get into his word and find our seasoning and what it is that he has for us. So turn with me to the book of James. Uh, we're going to actually start in chapter 3. The last couple weeks we've looked at what does faith mean? How is it lived out? It's been amazing to watch God work through this. And uh, his word is just so good and so rich. And so as we pick up in James chapter 3 verses 1 and 2, it says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Talk about a gut check for the guy on stage, right? I mean, I can remember a little over 20 years ago when I felt like God was calling me to teach and, and, and to preach his word regularly. I wrestled with this. I, I, I listened to this. I listened to his word and said, God, really? Because I knew by accepting that calling, I'm accepting that there's a higher level of expectation and responsibility and there rightly should be. You shouldn't get two different people. You shouldn't get one version when the light's on and another version when I'm off platform, amen? We live in a day and age right now, though, where many of us are teaching and using our voice and everyone has an opinion about everything. And I just wonder if that verse also is something for those of us that, that feel like we want to teach, we have something to share, we have something to say. Do we understand that God looks at that and says, you have a great responsibility? And the beauty is God equips us, but we have to be really close to him in that process because none of us are perfect. Look at verse two. Verse two says this, for we all stumble in many ways. Can you say stumble? So we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He's saying that, you know, if you're taking notes, that, this, that we all stumble, the seasoned, in fact, stumble into the light. This is really important to understand because none of us are perfect, but we follow the perfect one. We are pursuing Jesus who is perfecting us, but he only is able to do some of the things that he wants to do in our lives if we are willing to stumble into the light and be honest and be open about the things that we struggle with. You see, as we go through this today, I think it's great that James set this up this way because many of us are going to find a level of conviction about whether we're seasoned or salty. And, and God wants us to stumble into the light with these things and confess them and be free of them so he can touch, heal, restore, and do what he does. Because when we speak the name of Jesus, Jesus moves. Listen to what 1 John uh, verses 7 through 9 says in chapter 1. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the good news. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, when we bring it into the light, God begins to do something, right? He forgives. He gives his grace. He gives his mercy. He blesses that act of humility and confession. We want to stumble into the light and allow God to continue his great work of perfecting us and making us more like him. Amen? Now, as we get ready for the next few verses in James, James is Jesus' brother. He was one of the disciples. And I think it's important to understand that there's some teaching that Jesus delivered that in many ways, this would have been foundational to their understanding and receiving what James was about to share. Let me read to you a little bit of Jesus' words in Matthew 15 about our speech, about the things that come out of us. Verse 11 of Matthew 15, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Do you not see what, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? That's a nice way to say that, isn't that? I'm going to go expel myself. Okay, you're still here. He goes on, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the cart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Isn't it interesting that how we show up here, it's talking about what comes out of us and it gets to this place of slander. We live in a world where we've normalized in America slander and gossip. That's being salty, not seasoned. It's not being who Jesus has called us to be. In James 3, verses 3 through 12, there's some incredible imagery that James gives here. Credible descriptions and illustrations of, of how powerful our speech and really our tongue is. And and keep in mind that there is the power, Scripture says, of life and death in the tongue. We can bless and we can curse is what you're going to see here. Notice the imagery. Notice the illustrations. Let it speak to you as I read. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue, say the tongue. You said it like you didn't want to. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless 
our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Let me just pause there, right? This is that moment where it's like, yes, I speak Jesus, I praise you, I worship you, and I walk away from that moment in God's presence, and I forget that the brothers and sisters and the people around me that are called humans are actually created in the image of God as well. They're fallen, I'm fallen, and when I begin cursing them, do you see the dichotomy and the tension? We have normalized this kind of behavior, and we can't normalize it in the church of Jesus Christ. We can't bless and curse, it's saying, in the same moment or in the same life. So it goes on. From the same mouth, verse 10, come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. If you're taking notes here, the season tame their tongue. The seasoned, those with wisdom, and we'll look at its source and where it comes from in a minute. But the seasoned, it's saying, are going to tame their tongue because we realize the damage that it can do. We realize that it is describing, you know, a bridle, a ship that has this small piece that then affects and controls that larger body, right? A rudder with the ship, a horse, you know, this is a bridle and, and the bit itself as it would go into the mouth. You think about how small a bit is and that that actually can control an animal that in full grown state, I believe there are a couple thousand pounds, yeah? And, and so that little bit, controls the animal. And what it's saying is that you and I, our tongue has an effect of controlling everything and that tongue needs to be submitted and sourced by the Spirit, submitted to the Lord, submitted to what God has. Otherwise, it will cause, as it said, damage. It it, it described in there, like it's like a fire. Like it can just start to burn things and people and relationships and cause chaos before we even realize or know what hit us. It says in there that the source actually, uh, you know, the idea of fresh water and salt water, right? And uh, I know where I'm in. I'm, in. I'm in salt life country, right? I mean, I love living in Florida. We lived uh, in Michigan, on Lake Michigan, the last 14 years before we moved here in 2020. That's an incredible place, about 60 days out of the year with the weather. And and so my kids grew up on fresh water, beautiful beaches and fresh water. And so yesterday I I took uh, my youngest two to the beach and we had the boogie boards and, you know, we're... One, one of the children and I were, were catching waves, you know, just the little like wave and it, we'd see who could get furthest and, uh, you know, you're like, man, I'd like to have a video on that. I know you would. Uh, she looked a lot better than I did. Uh, and uh, it was just a ton of fun. And so then there's a moment where I'm looking up on shore and one of the kids who will remain unnamed did not want to get in. And I said, hey, what's going on? And, and they said, oh, it's, it's the salt. I just wish it was like Lake Michigan, like fresh water. And, and I'm like, well, 
we can't change that. It is what it is. But, but here's what you and I know. When the source is salty in the wrong way, it produces salt. You can't change that, that fresh water, right, is missing. And, and I think what James is getting at is, listen, how and where are we getting the resources to speak and to share? Is it coming out of the wrong place? And what are we filled up with? Because ultimately, that's what's coming out of us. Uh, growing up, I, I loved the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, you had the parade of roses and, you know, that would lead into the big game and, and you know, this incre- incredible, uh, all the floats and things that were a part of that. Uh, that actually uh, was in Pasadena and uh, Pasadena is actually where I, my, the seminary I went to for grad school, that's uh, where I attended. So I got a chance to go and see the parade route and see, you know, the Rose Bowl itself and all of those things. And as I was looking at this, I, I came across a story that seemed really unusual. Like, I had to fact check it. You ever do that? Like, I fact checked it to see, did this really happen? Because years ago, decades ago, actually, there was a float in the parade that ran out of gas during the parade. Like, its resource hit empty, and it was out of gas, which you can imagine was not something as a company sponsoring a float you want to have happen, right? But here's what was so fascinating. The float was sponsored in representing the now defunct Standard Oil Company. It went from bad to worse for them, right? And I just wonder, like, how many of us are actually believers that are running on empty or have the wrong resource, the wrong fuel, and as a result, we're producing salty, not seasoned. Let me show you what happens next here in the text. James actually lays out in the next few verses uh, what our source could look like, unwise or wise. So let's look at the unwise first, picking up in verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice." If you're taking notes, when the source is unwise, we get salty results. James is describing that in vivid detail. In fact, look at what he said in verse 13, the source of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Think about the world we live in right now that's so often driven by jealousy, competition, Comparing ourselves to others and that bitter jealousy also combined with selfish ambition, he's saying, when that's the source of what's driving your life, what do you get? All of the division and crazy behaviors we're seeing right now in our country and in our world. Again, church, we're supposed to show up differently. But, but look at the symptoms that, that he also describes in, verse, uh, in uh, verses 14 and 15. That when bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are at the center and, and that's what's fueling our heart and our life, 
Symptoms are arrogance, dishonesty, worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. That actually what happens is we begin to rely on worldly wisdom, worldly ideas more than God's. That, that actually when we talk about unspiritual, we can actually be in a place where we're listening to the self-help gurus the people that are trying to make it all about our soul and our wants and our feelings. Y'all, we're stuck in our feelings right now in America, like in a way that has made them, which are not always spiritual. Anybody ever had an unspiritual feeling? I'm literally the only one with my hand up. Well, y'all pray for your pastor and I'll pray for you because you aren't telling the truth. I mean, the, the reality is like, yes, there's this unspiritual life that, that, that can somehow begin to inform and, and cause us to make decisions and to share things. And then when he says demonic, I mean, he's not holding any punches. We live in a fallen world where there's light and darkness, where there's actually an enemy that would love nothing more than to confuse us, to heap the dark onto what we think and even scripture says, masks raids as an angel of light. And, and so he's saying these are all symptoms that then show up with those two results that you couldn't miss. Hopefully you didn't. That, that actually this results in disorder in every evil practice. So does this show up in our country? Yes, we see it often if we turn on the news. Does it show up in our homes? Disorder in every evil practice, it can, can it? Does it show up in churches? Disorder in every evil practice? Yes, what's at the center of it? A source that is unwise and is salty based on bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And right now you're going, whew, is there any hope? Well, let me tell you there is. Because he wasn't done. Verses 17 and 18, he's going to show us when the source is wise, how we get seasoned results. So let me read it to you, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what does it look like? Again, let's look at it the same way we did the other. Let's break it down. When the source is wise, we get seasoned results. The source, he's saying, good works and humility. The word meekness is used very similar to the word humility. I just want to make sure we can acknowledge that selfish ambition is the opposite of humility, that pride is the opposite of humility. You see, there's something he's saying that when, if we're going to be seasoned, has to humbly say, God, it's you that I need, it's your wisdom, it's you that I need showing up in and through me. That takes humility. And let me just tell you, humility is missing in modern America right now. Shouldn't be missing in his church. Shouldn't be missing among believers that are loving and following Jesus and learning to speak Jesus and to share him with others. Good works and humility as our source then has these symptoms. 
pure, verse 17, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, merciful, bountiful, impartial, and sincere. Like, who wouldn't want to be in relationship with somebody that shows up that way, amen? And, and, and that's actually what he's getting at is, listen, you as believers, you and I are meant to be a people that when we're sourced by God's good works and humility in us, and we're seasoned, we're going to share these symptoms with others, and others are going to benefit and be blessed, and they're going to do it in return. That's a completely different reality than we often see. And it results, as he said, in righteousness, and it results in peace. That, that when we live this way, God gives us right standing, righteousness with him, and right standing with others. And that peace, this isn't just like some like, hippie kind of like, I want peace and love. Peace in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is deep. It is soul level. It isn't bound by circumstance. It shows up and heals and restores and brings wholeness. That right standing leads to peace in relationships. So we're talking in marriages, with kids, with grandkids, with church folk that are sitting on the opposite sides of the room because you don't know how to get along anymore. I don't know. I didn't have anyone in mind. If that's you, that's the spirit speaking. Because this stuff shows up in the church too. And so there's a righteousness and a peace that, that God wants to flow in and through our lives. And he wants us to be seasoned. So you may ask the question, well, what do I do? Where do I go? Let me show you one more place in scripture where I think we see a glimpse of how this can play out. If you'll turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Can you say richly? Richly. Teaching, which means now we're speaking, we're sharing, and admonishing one another in all wisdom. There, there's what I'm using as the word for seasoning, right? Shows up in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, say whatever. Whatever you do, whatever we do, right? It says in word or deed that we're accountable and encouraged not just by what we do, but also what we say. You ever met somebody who's like, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say? Or don't do as I say, do as I do. And you're just like, man, my head's spinning. Could you just be the same person in each place? And, and this is what it's getting at, is that whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what, what is the secret here to being seasoned? According to this passage, it's God's wisdom and dwelling richly in his word. So what does that look like? It means that, that we make a commitment and a decision that, that we need to get God's word into our lives, meditate on it, dwell on it. And, and so does that mean that you may need to turn off other sources? Absolutely. By the way, if you're like, oh, I'm doing really good with what I say, but you're typing a bunch of junk online, I'm speaking to you right now too. 
However we're using our voice, whether it's typing or speaking, or some of you are like, I don't know what typing is. It's the hunt and peck with your, you know, we have a whole generation that doesn't type, right? They just, they use their thumbs, okay? All of that, God is saying, bring it to me. Turn off those things if you can't do them in a seasoned way. Allow his word to dwell richly and to begin to season you. You ever had that moment on a Sunday morning where you're like, man, I'm ready. And then by Sunday night, you're living a whole different life or saying a whole different, right? And then by Monday, you're like, man, I, I done lost it. I don't even know what's happening. If it happens to me at times as your pastor, I know it's happening to you too. So what does that mean? That today God sets in motion something with his word, something with what he wants us to listen to, that then means you need to get in his word later today maybe. You need to get into his word tomorrow, the day after, whether it's a verse or whether it's a chapter, you gotta determine the appetite necessary for you to stay seasoned and not salty. But we need some people that are showing up seasoned and not salty. So let me ask you three questions to close here. Next steps. The first is, are you seasoned or salty with your lifestyle and speech? Are you seasoned or salty? Be honest, right? We stumble into the light. We stumble forward. We bring it into the light. We confess it. We allow God to touch and to transform because he's that good. Secondly, Will you come into the light today and let Jesus become your source? Not worldly wisdom, not unspiritual wisdom, not demonic, you know, dark things that are providing you with wisdom and advice from, from a place that isn't the Lord's. Will you allow Jesus to become your source and to commit to his word, right? Number three, will you commit to dwelling richly in the Bible? So you show up seasoned with God's wisdom. You know, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll be asked my opinion on something. Other times people want to give their opinion to me. Anymore, I'm listening for how is this connected to God's word? How is this connected to God's word and his truth and his wisdom? Don't give me your opinion if it doesn't line up with God's wisdom and his word. Right? And, and hopefully you want the same from us, from me. That when we're teaching on a Sunday, when we're sharing, what do you get when you come to Pathway? If you're a visitor, we want you to know. We teach and preach the word. It's not always easy. Sometimes it, it hurts and it convicts, but it's always for our good and for his glory. And so we want to encourage you to, to dwell richly in it, allow his wisdom, not what the world is trying to feed us, to be our source. So I want to pray for us and then we get to respond because I believe if we're seasoned, not salty, God's going to do something beautiful in your life and in the life of our church. Amen. All right. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity and invitation to come into the light with anything we need to, that you are faithful and just to forgive that we can stumble into you and in the light find you, Jesus, bringing righteousness, bringing peace. Father, we want to be filled not with worldly things or wisdom. We want to speak you, Jesus. We want to speak from a place of seasoned wisdom 
So Father, move in our minds, move in our hearts. Help us to commit to the kind of changes we need to make that we could be seasoned and not salty. Thank you that you are an incredible and awesome God and you welcome us with open arms. We just invite your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's.